You are listening to a Where is the Line shit show. An unfortunate aberration in quality, length, and content. Conceived only for the purpose of releasing more than one show each month. But don't worry, it's still fucked up. Hey son, have you heard of the dark one? The choice is so easy to make. Just open your heart to the dark one. The way of the devil is great. So let's all drink blood now. So now let's all drink blood. So let's all drink blood now. Now, now, now. I need that blood, blood, blood. I need blood. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. And welcome to this Where is the Line shit show. Shit shows are shorter and shittier versions of our regular show that comes out on the 13th of every month. My name is Kevin, and with me today is amongst my dearest friends and devourer of chicken butthole mud flaps, Samantha. Say something disturbing, Samantha. Regions of darkness and evil. Regions of darkness and evil. When you hear the phrase regions of darkness and evil, honk your horn. <laughs> I know that we said in the last episode that we weren't going to talk about the Patreon page, but something exceptional happened. Yes. <laughs> if you remember in the last episode, we said that we were going to watch a pornographic video that was provided to us by one of our patrons as part of our patron program, and we hadn't watched it at that point. <laughs> no, we had not. <laughs> and so right after we recorded that episode, we watched it, and... Uh, what happened? Well, I had a little accident <laughs> of this particular pornographic video made me so sick that you had to quickly dump out one of your bags of equipment and hand it to me so I could vomit into it sitting right next to you. And we have the entire thing on video. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> do you need the do you need the thing? Do you need- Oh my God, you're going to throw up. No. We gotta look. Oh no, throw up at this, throw up at this. I never expected that to happen. <laughs> I didn't either. But if you want to see a video <laughs> of <laughs> Samantha vomiting and me laughing hysterically about it, you can visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash where's the line. I have a very strong stomach and I've seen terrible things and i'm fine with that but this video it got me (laughs) i will say i will be cryptic as i was in a comment and say that i think what got you was the fart bubbles coming out of the milk yeah i think that's when it really started (laughs) hitting me (laughs) (laughs) all right okay so are you ready to get into this halloween where's the line shit show oh yeah When you think of Halloween, there are a few staples in terms of imagery. Jack-o'-lanterns, ghosts, witches, and bats. Yeah. You can come across an occasional cute photograph of a bat, but in general, they have the unpleasant appearance of flying rodents with gnarled faces and sharp teeth. And a lot of people, quite understandably, are afraid of bats. But what if you took this hideous little creature... Already synonymous with evil, an animal whose silhouette is used to decorate homes on the most unholy night of the year, 
What if you took the bat and weaponized it? Oh, my God. And that's what we're talking about today. The true story of the most terrifying weapon ever conceived by the U.S. military. The bat bomb. (laughs) In December 1941, U.S. President Franklin Roosevelt addressed Congress to deliver a declaration of war. I ask that the Congress declare that since the unprovoked and dastardly attack by Japan on Sunday, December 7, 1941, a state of war has existed between the United States and the Japanese Empire. So once the Empire of Japan attacked the United States, the greatest generation took up arms and went to war. And almost everybody wanted to be part of this defense of old glory. Yeah. Able-bodied men joined the armed forces and uh, the women in the United States took over the men's places in the factories. Absolutely. And the women began developing and building these implements of war. But what if you're somebody who's a little past his prime, you're somebody who's patriotic, but you've aged out of that point where you're able to enlist in the military. Dr. Lionel Adams, who was a dentist and an inventor, decided to use his own skill set and his connections to the highest office in the country to help America win World War II. (laughs) He sure did. (laughs) So... Dr. Adams actually had some okay ideas in terms of his inventions. Okay, like uh, what? Well, he invented this uh, this hooking mechanism that was going to be used. It was going to be deployed from airplanes and used to hook mailbags without That's right. letting the airplanes yeah. land. Um, <laughs> so he starts using his inventor's imagination to conceive a weapon to help America win this world war. And what he comes up with was a weapon uh, with the potential to be enormously destructive and also just absolutely fucking nightmarish to any populace that happened to be (laughs) unfortunate enough to have this weapon unleashed on them. So his idea, in a nutshell, and we'll get a little more, more into the mechanics of this, but in a nutshell, his idea was to fill up the shell of a bomb with bats... Which is terrifying enough uh, if you see a bomb come out of the sky and then bats are flying all over your city. That's scary enough. Yes. But these bats were going to be equipped with suicide vests. <laughs> God. <laughs> so here's how all of this was going to work, according to Dr. Adams. So these empty bombshells would be filled with these trays. And the trays would be stacked inside the shell of a bomb. The shell would have... <laughs> air holes poked in it (laughs) so the bats wouldn't suffocate. Of course. (laughs) Um, And the trays would be spaced far enough apart that the bats would be able to hang upside down off of these trays. And so if if you use a small enough breed of bat, you can get a little over a thousand of them in one modest or moderately sized bomb case, which would be about five feet tall. Yeah. The trick, though, is that the bats have to be in hibernation. Otherwise, they're just going to be flipping out inside this bomb casing. So the idea is that you cool the bats, 
hang them from these trays. They go into hibernation. You fill the bomb with these trays of hibernating bats. Mm-hmm. Each bat has this little incendiary That's right. <laughs> vest attached to it. <laughs> oh, God. And a tripwire that would run to a fixed point inside the bomb. That when the bats fly away, the bomb gets armed. Once the bombs are armed, they would be on a timer. Mm-hmm. So there's a parachute on the bomb that slows its descent. As it's descending, it warms up when it gets closer to the earth. The bats wake up. The bomb falls apart. The bats fly away, and they go and roost in buildings in the city that it was dropped on. Yeah. Some time passes, however much time they decide. And then uh, the, the little teeny tiny suicide vests... <laughs> Detonate, <laughs> and uh, the bats explode in whatever structures that they were that they were settling in, thereby catching that structure on fire. Yes, God. that's how the bat bomb was supposed to work. <laughs> it breaks my heart. <laughs> and the thing about this bat bomb is that it sounds fucking stupid, but it also sounds like it would work, kind of. Yeah. I mean, if you could get the, like, if you could make that happen the way they had planned on it happening. Especially since the whole plan was to drop it in Japan, thus taking advantage of Japanese architecture. You know, most of their houses were wood and paper. That was his thinking. Oh, yeah. And all that will ignite fierce, you know, just crazy. One bomb, you have a thousand potential fires Mm -hmm. coming out of this. And, you know, in like a general explosion, you have a certain area of destruction. But your area of destruction with the bat bomb is really only limited to how far the bats feel like flying. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I mentioned really briefly at the beginning that uh, Dr. Adams had some connections in high places. He was a, a longtime acquaintance of Eleanor Roosevelt, who was the United States first lady and wife of then President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Uh, so, uh, Dr. Adams was, uh, maybe friends is a strong word, but at least a close acquaintance of the first lady at the time. So he manages to persuade Eleanor Roosevelt to pass a note to her husband, the president. And here is an excerpt from that note. Quote, the lowest form of life is the bat associated in history with the underworld and regions of darkness and evil until now. Reasons for its creation have remained unexplained. <laughs> I guess uh, they eat insects, but... Yeah. <laughs> As I vision it, the millions of bats that have for ages inhabited our belfries, tunnels, and caverns were placed there by God to await this hour to play their part in the scheme of free human existence and to frustrate any attempt of those who dare desecrate our way of life. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't know if this is a just a, a hyperbolic <laughs> kind of suggestion mm-hmm. by Dr. Adams. I really hope that that he he's clearly a little out there, but I hope that he was not out there enough to sincerely believe that the bat was in existence. <laughs> Waiting for the moment for him to invent the bat bomb. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, well, you know how he got the idea. You know, he was kind of on vacation in New Mexico at the time, uh, touring the caves and caverns. And he had become like obsessed with, you know, all the bats inside of these caves. And it was that very, either the day of Pearl Harbor or the day after uh, is when he started thinking, we got to do something with these bats. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) These useless creatures that serve absolutely No no purpose whatsoever. I hate that he calls them lowly creatures. It makes me so mad. <laughs> so, Eleanor Roosevelt, I almost made what I fi- think is a pun. If I said Eleanor Roosevelt actually gave this batshit crazy <laughs> note to 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 Franklin, mm-hmm. is that a pun? Yes, no. I think so. Fuck it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Never mind. I didn't, no. <laughs> so, so anyway, so Eleanor gives this weirdest shit note to President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And President Roosevelt admits that this is like a a really fucking crazy idea. But kind of like us at the beginning, he was like, this sounds crazy. Yeah. But it also sounds like it might work. Yeah. (laughs) So... So he decides to have somebody take a look at this idea. And the person who gets tasked to do this is a Harvard-educated chemist named Louis Fieser. And this is the man who invented napalm. He actually invented napalm not that long before he gets brought That's right. the assignment to help develop the bat bomb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so this is an extremely intelligent man. He's just developed this combustible gel that uh, adheres to anything that it comes into contact with. This is a an achievement for a chemist. Yes. And now he gets passed by the president to go to work on this ridiculous contraption of a weapon that was invented by a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> But whatever. Yeah. Uh, Feaser's going to do his job, and he does. So by now, it's uh, this is May 1942. The U.S. has officially been at war for about six months now since since the declaration of war. And just for a little context, this is this is the point in the war where the Japanese had taken Singapore from the British. In the process of that, they had taken uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 60,000 prisoners. So that's where we are in the war. It's still, it's not a sure thing yet. Yeah. This chemist from Harvard, Fieser, and the dentist, Dr. Adams, get a research and development budget. Fieser and Dr. Adams have not met each other yet in person. Dr. Adams lives on the West Coast in Southern California, and Louis Fieser is pretty much all the way across the country. They get in touch. They decide to split this division of labor before they meet up. So Fieser is going to gather all of these technical implements that they need. And since Dr. Adams, like you said, has had these, uh, has seen all these bats, and that's where he kind of got the idea, Mm -hmm. he's going to go get the bats. (laughs) So um, Fieser kind of distributes the labor. They've got this budget, so he outsources things as you would when you're working on a project like this he gets one company to build 3,000 of uh, these tiny little bombs for the 3,000 tiny bats that Dr. Adams is collecting now some of the bombs are filled with napalm Mm -hmm. um, but most of them are actually just filled with this red phosphorus that essentially just creates this puff of smoke uh, when they detonate 
for testing purposes, they want to know where these bats are going. Let them explode, shoot this puff of smoke up, but not necessarily just fucking catch everything on fire. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, these are these are testing suicide Ugh. vests. <laughs> these are practice suicide vests. Uh, but they still they still uh, order quite a few of them that are actually equipped with a napalm, which is what they intend to use. Mm-hmm. So, but these vests have to detonate on time, and they actually got the uh, the same toy manufacturer that made the erector sets. To build the timers for these. Oh, okay. And the timers were actually really interesting because the way these timers worked, it wasn't like just a little clock, a little alarm clock yeah. that, you know, you just set it for 15 minutes and it goes off. What they did is they had these wires that were of varying thicknesses. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that when the bats would get released, it would trigger this corrosive solution called copper chloride. Okay to flood this little chamber with the wires and it would start eating through these wires and so when when the copper chloride came in contact with these wires it would corrode the wires in a very predictable way uh, a very predictable rate once the wires were completely severed the bomb detonates so the idea is that you have this wire in this chamber the copper chloride comes in contact with it the bigger the wire is the longer it takes for that wire to be eaten through, and okay. then when the wire is eaten through, the bomb detonates, and this basically will happen at the same rate every time. So you can make a wire that makes the detonation happen in a day. Mm-hmm. You can make one at a thickness that makes it happen in 15 minutes. Okay. So that's how the that's how the timer works All on right. this. And Fieser gets the army to build a special refrigerated truck. To hold the bats because the bats have to stay in hibernation until they're ready to fly off and destroy a city. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, at this point, uh, Louis Freezer hasn't met uh, Dr. Lytle Adams, but he's about to. Freezer gets all of this shit together. He heads to California with this refrigerated truck filled with napalm. <laughs> <laughs> To start his work with Dr. Adams. So this is, this at this point, this is a top secret weapons project. Yes. You can't let anybody know about this. This is, they're developing a weapon of mass destruction. Absolutely. For lack of a better term. They haven't built it yet. You've got to keep this under wraps. So Fieser has with him several military officials, and they're going to have their first top secret project meeting with Dr. Adams in Adams' home. <laughs> they might have left the truck somewhere else, but I like to think that they pulled up in, <laughs> in the Dr. Truck. Adams' yard and with this truck full of napalm um, <laughs> in Southern California, which yeah. is where Dr. Adams lived. They notice that there's a lot of cars around Dr. Adams' house, uh, and there's a lot of people milling about outside. It turns out Dr. Lytle Adams is throwing a party this day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know the reason for his party? No. He is throwing a, I invented a top secret weapon <laughs> that the military is going to produce party. <laughs> no. <laughs> the whole point of this fucking party is that he is celebrating with his friends the fact that the military is going to actually try to produce this weapon that he came up with, which is supposed to be top fucking secret. That's incredible. (laughs) (laughs) 
and it gets worse for Feaser. So Feaser at this point is just fucking pissed. Yeah. As I am sure the military personnel that came with him are. And so Feaser has gone through all this shit. He's contacted all these companies. They've made these fucking napalm, miniature napalm vests that'll fit on a bat. They've got this fucking <laughs> freezer truck. And all Adams had to do was get the bats. Yeah. And so <laughs> Adams was supposed to get 3,000 bats that they were going to adhere these 3,000 vests to. When they finally get in and talk to Dr. Adams, though, it turns out that uh, he fell short of his goal of 3,000. He got 150. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened <laughs> he said it was mating season and they were harder to catch okay. <laughs> i i imagine he just went out there by himself with like a net that's kind of how i imagined it <laughs> <laughs> you know so you've got feaser like okay we've got money let's hire people to do the things and then you've got <laughs> Lytle Adams just running around with a fucking net by himself, capturing 150 bats. <laughs> I don't know for sure that's how that went down, but surely to God he didn't hire anybody and all they came back with was 150 no. fucking bats. This, I feel like, was a solo effort on his part. So, anyway, so, so now the army has to collect the bats. Yeah. And they do. They get this uh, remaining 2,850 bats that Lytle didn't snag. So they got everything. They're ready to go. They head off to Carlsbad Airfield in New Mexico to start testing out this top secret weapon. Dr. Adams has a, another high point in this whole process. He's built a prototype mm-hmm. of the bomb casing that they're going to use. Uh, so first of all, they want to drop the casing out of a plane to see how it falls, the aerodynamics. He built it out of cardboard. (laughs) So they threw it out of the plane and it just fell apart. (laughs) (laughs) This really happened. (laughs) Now they've got to wait on someone capable to build a proper casing for the bats. Yeah. But they're apparently really excited and really anxious about this. So uh, Feaser and Adams decide that... uh, They're just going to throw some bats out of an airplane and see what happens. (laughs) So, but they, so they want to just toss these napalm equipped, these napalm vest equipped bats out of an airplane and see how they distribute. Yeah. Feaser slips up at this point. He hasn't made any kind of safety mechanism for this to ensure that if something goes wrong, the bats wake up and, you know, start fluttering around that these incendiary devices don't get activated. Right. And so the pilot of the bomber very understandably says, no, (laughs) you you are not bringing a bunch of bats with suicide vests on a plane that I'm flying. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) they're still determined that they're going to get something done. Yeah. So, what they do is uh, they just clip weights of the same weight that the vests are to the bats. And so, now we have a lot of bats that aren't going to explode. And we can still see what this distribution is going to look like. Yeah. So, they go up in the bomber. They have bats with little weights clipped onto them, and they throw them out of the plane. Now, the bats are in hibernation. The idea is that as they approach the ground, they warm up and come out of hibernation and fly Mm -hmm. away. That's not what happened. 
what happened was they threw a bunch of sleeping bats out of the plane and they all just hit the fucking ground. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) So they tied weights to sleeping bats and threw them out of the plane and they just splattered on the ground in the New Mexico desert. (laughs) This is heart wrenching. This makes America sound awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but now but you know, but now they know what they've done wrong. So now yeah. they've got by this time this bomb casing has come back. So they've got the proper bomb with the trays in it. They figure they've got to slow these bats down. They've got to have more time to come out of hibernation. They develop the parachute. Mm-hmm. And they also figure that if they don't keep the temperature as low for the bats, that they'll come out of hibernation more quickly. Mm-hmm. Before they splatter on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, they try this again inside the bomb. They still don't have the the safety mechanism in place. So the the pilot still won't let them (laughs) put the actual suicide vest on the bats yet. Okay. But other than that, they have everything set up and ready to go. So they take this bomb filled with hibernating bats up in the plane. They go to a higher altitude to give it more time to drop, and everything works perfectly. Oh. The parachute slows the descent. The bombshell opens like it's supposed to. The bats come out of hibernation, and they fly away. They fly far away. (laughs) uh, So on the ground, the Army personnel are watching this. They see this bomb coming down, and they see this big plume of bats fly out of it. But the bats just keep going. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they 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 flew farther than they had expected the yeah. bats to fly. And so these army personnel, they have to hop in jeeps and start chasing this giant cloud of bats. <laughs> and so they're chasing these bats literally for miles. Yeah. Um, and so the bats finally come across this ranch and a lot of them light in uh, this rancher's barn. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! And so this is still a top secret project. Yeah. And so they roll up in these jeeps, and this rancher is standing outside, and uh, the 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 military personnel ask the rancher if he's noticed anything unusual, to which he replies, "You mean like bats flying around in broad daylight?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So they have to convince this rancher to keep quiet about what he has seen. Yeah. They collect the bats that they can. They're not really posing any kind of threat. And they go they go back to the military base. Everybody's pumped. They feel like this is going to work. Yeah. But they still don't have those, those safety devices on them. So they can't take the actual napalm-infused bats up still. Uh, but Feaser has made all of these explosive vests... He's done all this work, and he's determined that he's going to blow up a bat today. (laughs) (laughs) He is just, even if he can't take it up in a plane, he's just going to do a proof of concept and explode some bats. (laughs) (laughs) And Feaser actually calls uh, the Army photographers out to document this. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's top secret, but these are the Army photographers. This is... This is going to stay internal. Yeah. So they bring him out six bats that actually have the napalm equipped suicide vests. And I talked earlier about the the little wire that was used as the timer. 
that can be corroded through at different paces. Yeah. They put a, uh, what would what is essentially a 15-minute wire in these bats. Okay. So they bring these six bats out. Feaser starts injecting this copper chloride solution into the chamber with that wire. So when he injects that in, he's got 15 minutes before the bats explode. But if you remember, these bats have to be cooled to stay in hibernation. Uh, and they're in New Mexico in the middle of summer. Mm-hmm. So pretty much as soon as Feaser injects, injects the copper chloride in there and starts this timer, the bats wake up and just fucking fly off. <laughs> <laughs> so he's injected these six bats. I don't know what they, I assume they were going to collect them and put them in something. Yeah. But before they could do that, they just flitted away on a military base <laughs> and they're going to explode in 15 minutes. Well, that's not good. Um, After 15 minutes, the, <laughs> the barracks on the base catch on fire. <laughs> There's a giant lookout tower over the runway that goes up in flames. <laughs> the officer's quarters catches on fire. And uh, one of the bats actually exploded inside the aircraft hangar. <laughs> oh my God. So they've essentially set this entire military base on fire. Yeah. On accident. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so since Feaser had called the uh, the military photographers out <laughs> ahead of time, there are some fantastic photos of this. <laughs> and we're going to have them on our website, whereisaline.net. Yeah. So finally, you know, like, <laughs> this whole thing just seemed fucking crazy to begin with. After they destroy <laughs> this military base, the U.S. Army finally just says, fuck this. <laughs> This was a fucking stupid idea. We shouldn't have done this and they canceled the whole project. Oh, God. But we're not done. Because the United States Army might have concluded that this was a stupid fucking idea. The United States Marine Corps, however, (laughs) said, hey, you know, you you set your base on fire. That means the shit works. So... (laughs) So the United States Marine Corps, in conjunction with the United States Navy, take over the Bat Bomb Project. Oh, good. And when they take it over, they give it a really cool name. They call it Project X-Ray. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) The United States has five branches to the military. And within a couple of years, three of the five branches of the U.S. military had decided that the bat bomb was worth investigating. (laughs) And the Marine Corps and the Navy hold on to this idea for a while. And they continue doing testing. And they're they're claiming that this is a feasible idea still. And, but, you know, a few years goes by. They have um, a lot of setbacks. They don't have any setbacks as big as destroying a military base. But, uh... They, they get in arguments about how much weight the bats can carry, that kind of bureaucratic sort of shit. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the Bat Bomb Project, now Project X-Ray, is terminated for good. And by the time they terminated this project, they had spent $2 million, which if you adjust it for inflation, is the equivalent of today $28 million. Holy crap. Was invested in the Bat Bomb. Shortly after the bat bomb gets canned completely, in August 1945, that's when the United States dropped 
the atomic bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mm-hmm. Dr. Lytle Adams maintained that the bat bomb was a superior implement of destruction when compared with the atomic bomb. <laughs> Later in life, he said, quote, Think of thousands of fires breaking out simultaneously over a circle of 40 miles in diameter for every bomb dropped. Japan could have been devastated, yet with a much smaller loss of life. Done. Thank you for listening to this Where is the Line shit show. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe. Feel free to jump on to iTunes and leave us a review. Yeah, why don't you? Our next episode will be coming out on November 13th. That'll be a full episode, so it'll be considerably better than this one. Of course. We've got a couple of iTunes reviews to share. This first one comes from a Laurelin Ski. Laurelin Ski writes, Now one of my regulars fell in love with this podcast immediately upon its recommendation via Hollywood crime scene. This podcast is different, but just enough of the same, so it doesn't fully derail me. Even my husband likes it, and he hates almost everything. <laughs> Keep up the good work, you two. Thanks for that review, Laurelin Ski. Yeah, thank you. And tell your husband we said hi and that we're glad that he likes us. Please. This next review comes from either Anna Lopez1328 or Anal Opez1328. <laughs> one of my faves has easily become one of my favorite podcasts. Have already finished all episodes. I came across this podcast by the Hollywood True Crime Podcast. I hope to hear some more weird, disturbing stories soon. You know, Hollywood crime scenes get a lot of fucking mileage. Yeah, <laughs> that's the gift that keeps on giving to yeah, us. Yeah, every pretty much, uh, yeah, they pretty much, by mentioning us, bought a promo for our next 15 episodes because yeah. half, of our, <laughs> half of our reviews mention Hollywood crime scene. We ain't complaining. Nope. We've got a couple of voicemails to go through. This first one comes from someone who we saw the other day on movie night. This is from Sarah from the land down under. Ah. Hi, this is Sarah from down under. I just want to say thanks for the burritos on the toilet, Natasha. But what I'm really fucking bummed about though is that I asked for more hot sauce and there was no hot sauce on my burrito. I just want to say a hello, hello. And Kevin and Sam, I love you more than Natasha, Black Widow herself, even though she pays for your love. Um, anyway, I just want to make sure that I'm your number one drunk call for this month. October. Over in Down Under, this is Sarah on Shiraz. Wow, she sounded very calm. Uh, she did, or drunk. we're gonna go with calm though thank you sarah for that very calm voicemail you left yeah and we we're so sorry that that your burrito did not have enough hot sauce oh i absolutely am sorry to hear that i love hot sauce i understand it's terrible next we have an absolutely 
lovely voicemail from a very pleasant caller. You sound like a fucking 12-year-old fat getting fucked in the butt by a midget. All I'm saying is AIDS happens and it's going to happen to you and you goddamn deserve it. I hope you end up in a fucking Aliceville fucking prison getting peanut butter fucked by the side of a fucking unicorn. I hope that unicorn shoves its horn so far up your ass that when you wake up, you are shitting out fucking sprinkles. God hates you and you're a fucking piece of shit. Fuck nut. Fuck fucking nugget fucker. You know what? You are the equivalent of a fucking discarded AIDS condom that has been shoved in a prostitute's mouth, fucking digested, pushed out of her asshole, and shit back into another John's mouth. You are goddamn worthless. You fucking piece of fucking leprechaun peanut shit. I hope that you wake up in a pool of your own fucking feces and John Rambo is cutting your goddamn throat. Now, I'm not talking about the fucking one, one or two or three Rambo. I'm talking about the old Sylvester alone who can barely pull back a bow. I hope he fucks your shit up. You have a good day. Thank you so much for that, for that voicemail. That was the most delightful voicemail I've ever heard. And thank you for listening to the show. We're glad you enjoy it. Let us know if we can send you a sticker. (laughs) (laughs) If you'd like to leave us a voicemail of your own, you can get in touch with us at 386-227-7848. What does that spell? Dumb ass tit. One more time, happy Halloween to you all. Yes, we hope you have the best Halloween ever. And thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again soon. Bye. (laughs) Flashing red bunnies got a plan for us all.